Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 3rd of January 2016, entitled, Living a Joyfully Fulfilled Life. And the Bible reading is taken from John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Try not to keep you long, but I want to give you just a few very simple thoughts that really is carrying on with the same theme that we we looked at New Year's Eve during our watch night service, and then and then this morning, uh, trying to bring some of those things together, and just just a few things that uh, hopefully will be a help to you. Because as we talked about this morning, we embark upon a journey of a new year upon the calendar. None of us know what it holds except God Himself. But God knows what it holds for each and every one of us. He knows every trial that you'll face. He knows every mountaintop you'll be on and every valley that you'll have to go through. And he knows exactly where he wants you and what he wants to do with your life. And what I want to is just to find a couple simple thoughts in this passage tonight that will help that journey to be a joyful one for you. Some people go through life and it's just misery upon top of misery. Every day seems to be just another chore to get through. As Christians, we ought to be the most joyful people on the face of the planet. So what I want you to to, to grasp through this evening is just a few ways. The title of our sermon is Living a Joyfully Fulfilled Life. Being able to be joyful, being able to live a life that counts, that makes a difference in this world. Gospel of John chapter 15, I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word beginning in verse 1. Jesus speaking says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, 
For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Father, we thank you again this evening. And Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture this evening, I pray earnestly from my heart, Lord, that you will take and by the power of your Spirit that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, you know every individual. You know the needs here tonight. And Lord, we pray that by your power and for your majesty and for your glory that you would speak to each of us. Lord, that our lives and our hearts would be touched, that we somehow can leave here more like Jesus than whom we came. We'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Many, 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 many things could be said from this passage of Scripture tonight. First of all, I want you just to look at a quick overview of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is beginning by talking about he is the true vine. There are a lot of false vines in this world that are trying to give false life. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband. The only way that the branch, because he goes on to say, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine." Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. The life comes from the vine. The branches are just dead if the vine is not there to feed it. Jesus is using this illustration that all would be familiar with. He is the sustenance of life. All of us are the branches. We must abide in him. We must stay connected with him. We must be in him if... We are going to bring forth fruit. And if we're not, basically what he's saying here is we're just useless. It's like a branch. Once it is disconnected from the vine, it cannot bring forth fruit. It's dead. It's absolutely not worth anything except to be thrown away. He says, I'm the true vine. I am the source of your life. You're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bring forth much fruit. Many times we get so frustrated with ourselves. We maybe seem like that our life just isn't counting for anything worthwhile. It seems like that there's no real fruit being produced. We look around. say, what is my life really counting for? Does my life really count for Christ? Is it really doing anything for the cause of Christ? You see, I, I, I've said with no apologies, and I say it again. I said it this morning, I think. God has a purpose for you. That's what Jesus is trying to say here. He does have a purpose, and that purpose is that fruit would come from your life. But the only way that that can happen is when we're abiding in him. 
You see, as we look around and we ask ourselves, are our lives counting for Christ? Is there something wrong? And we could make a whole list of all the, the things that could be wrong. I made a list here, ignorance, indifference, pride, selfishness, love for the world instead of him. We can go through a whole list of things that could make us pretty worthless for the cause of Christ. But that's not where I want to focus this evening. What I want to focus is what will make you worth something. We said this morning that really any of us, if we look at ourselves, we know we're not worthy. We're not worthy of anything except in Jesus Christ. I want you to notice that as we look at these things, as Jesus is giving us this wonderful illustration, God is the one in control. He's the husband when he's the one that, that owns the vineyard. He's the one that's in control of the vineyard. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. So God is the one that's in control. And if we're going to produce any fruit, which if we abide in him, we will produce fruit. You don't have to. I've used the illustration. Some of you that have been around here for a while. You know, I, I used to live in the state of Florida for a few years. And I visited there a few times. And one of the beautiful things about the state of Florida is called the Sunshine State. And it's because the sun shines there so much of the time. You know, you got to have a hurricane or two come through every now and then to shake things up. But most of the time, the sun is shining. And you just have these orchards that just go for miles and miles and miles. You can be driving and you're, and you're seeing nothing but orange trees in every direction that you look. As far as you can see, just miles and miles and miles. And, and the beautiful fruit just hanging there on the tree. I've been there after a hurricane when all that fruit was floating in the water that was everywhere as well. The truth is, is that I never, ever, ever, all that beautiful, great fruit that comes from all of those trees in that vineyard, I never, ever, ever one time saw one of those trees out there grunting and groaning and trying to make that fruit come out. Oh, come on, orange. It just happens naturally. If it's a healthy tree, if it's a healthy vine, if it's connected to the sort, guess what? There will be fruit. <laughs> if there's no fruit, there's something wrong. There's something that's ailing it. It's not a healthy plant. Jesus is showing us here how we can be healthy, how we can be fulfilled, how we can know that our lives are counting for something, not because we've accomplished what so-and-so did, not because we've done what so-and-so thought we ought to do, but because we're connected to Jesus Christ and our life is bringing forth the fruit that is coming from him through us. That's when our lives count. I don't know what you might have to do to be the employee of the month every month, to be the teacher's pet at school, to be thought of by all your neighbors and all your friends as the greatest thing that ever walked on the face of this earth. I don't know how you can do any of those things, but I do know this. I do know that you don't have to go through this year unhappy, regretful, wondering if your life is counting for anything or not. You don't have to go through it as a miserable Christian, you can be joyful. What did Jesus say there? He said in verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you. Why? That your joy might remain or that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I'm telling you this for a reason. 
You see, he's not telling us this so we can feel guilty and think, oh, what a horrible Christian I am. But he is telling us this because maybe we need to pull a little inspection. <laughs> How much fruit is coming from my life? Genuine fruit. Not something that I'm putting there, not something that I'm putting on, not something that's there because I'm doing what everybody else thinks I should be doing. What is the fruit in my life that is there because of the Christ that lives within me, because of the fruit that is being produced by him? You see, it doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks you ought to be. What matters if you are what Christ wants you to be. That's what he's, he said, I'm showing you how you can live a fulfilled life regardless of what anybody else thinks of you. Your life can count for something. And your joy, my joy, his joy, the joy of Christ can remain in you and your joy can be full and running over if we can take and grasp these truths. The first thing he's showing us is, folks, I don't care what else is important in your life. What else that you think that you're going to need to get through this new year? But I can tell you the first thing and the most important thing is that it must be Christ-centered. It must be centered on Christ. It must be what he wants to do with your life, what he is going to do through you. We saw this morning, we looked at five different great powers that we may have to face in the coming year. We looked at five great powers that were present when Jesus reached down and healed someone that was close to death and when he raised another one right up from the dead, even though that he was on his way to be buried in the ground. The truth is, nothing is impossible with God. And the truth is, we all, as we said this morning, we're gonna face some things in life. We looked at some of those powers there. Remember, the first one was death. <laughs> Nobody can avoid it. It's a great power. It's the power that Satan wants to use because that's why he tempts you to sin because sin brings death and death is something that he wants to see you have for eternity. But Christ came to give you life and to give you that life more abundantly. Death is a great power that will probably touch your life in some way. It touches all of our lives at different times. But there's a greater power than death and you know what that is? That was love. <laughs> the love of God for you and your love for others. It will conquer death every time. It will actually take you from death unto life, life everlasting, the power of love. And that power of love in action brings forth the power of compassion, actually caring, caring like God cared for us, like God cared for that mother when her son was being carried down there to be put in the grave. Jesus tells us, Actually, it was John that recorded it, but it came from the Lord. That <laughs> if we can go out there and say we love each other all we want, but if it's not seen in our actions, <laughs> we're not kidding anybody. Power of death, power of love, power of compassion, power of prayer. <laughs> all they did was ask Jesus, and it was accomplished. It was done. And finally, the power of Christ and his word. You see, that's what we have here again this evening is that power of Christ working through us. Our lives, if, he says, ye abide in me. There's nowhere else you can abide. There's nowhere else your life can be centered. There's nowhere else that it matters if ye abide in me. That's, that's the only way that this is going to be. If you 
are abiding in Jesus Christ. Say, how can we do that? Well, again, there's a lot of things. But it's got to begin by knowing absolutely, positively that you belong to him, that you've been born again. Folks, again, I don't say that to condemn you this evening. I'm saying that is the greatest thing. You will never know joy and fulfillment in this life if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And Christian, we didn't go out just to buy some kind of fire insurance to keep us out of hell. We're supposed to be abiding in Christ day by day by day. Our lives can count. Our lives can be worth something, not because I'm worth anything, not because you're worth anything, but because Christ is worth everything. He is. And this is what he's saying here. First of all, your life must be centered in him. You must literally be abiding in him, your spirit and your faith and your purpose and your practice. I've got all kinds of things listed there. But if there's any part of your life that is outside of Christ's purpose for your life, that's where it begins. That's where it finishes. That's where everything in between is. Abiding in Christ. It's so, so easy sometimes for the devil to get us off track. <laughs> we can have all the best intentions in the world, we can have all this theology in our heads and we know all the doctrinal truths and we know that, yes, that's important. But folks, God came not so that we could learn all the doctrine. He came because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. None of that doctrine matters if you don't have Christ. We said this morning, we looked at that great thing, you know, faith, hope, charity, that God love, that giving love, that sacrificial love. Can you imagine life without hope? Can you imagine life without faith? There is no life. It's impossible to please God without faith. But he says the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is charity. It's that God love. You see, this evening, your life can be joyful, and it can be fulfilling. And it can be accomplishing something that is worthwhile, that is more worthwhile than all the degrees and all the jobs and all the, the things this world can ever give you. If you abide in me, he says, and my words abide in you. I've said it enough times. I don't need to dwell there this evening. You can't separate the written word from the living word. You can't separate it. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the written word. Jesus Christ was the living word. I'm telling you this evening, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. It saddens me, and, and I could give you so many illustrations this evening, but do you know that one of the things that is heartbreaking many times is that people go astray. People are walking hand in hand with Christ and you see their lives being used of God in, in wonderful ways and God doing things through their lives and then you see them somewhere later and they've gone off track. They're maybe out there in the world. Do you know that the vast majority of the time they've let somebody else's words start abiding in them besides Christ's word. 
besides this word, man's word, the world's word, the world's ideas. They read this book or they read that book or they listen to this preacher or they listen to that philosopher. Jesus said, if my words abide in you, I love, I've got libraries full of books, but I got news for you. If one word in them contradicts this, this is what we stand upon. This is what's got to, we must abide in him and his word must abide in us. It's not what all the philosophers think. I love, <laughs> I love what, how John MacArthur, John MacArthur described philosophy when he said it's the search for truth. But the problem is if they ever find it, it's not philosophy anymore. It becomes truth. The world is in search for truth. We have the truth. Look, this isn't hard. This is so simple. You want your life to count for something? You want to know real joy in the midst of a chaotic world and all the things and whatever Satan wants to throw at you? Do you want to be fulfilled in joy? Abide in Christ. Don't let anybody move you from him and let his word abide in you. You know, God doesn't give gold stars out for stupidity. He doesn't want us not to know things. But our knowledge, true knowledge, has got to be based in him, his truth. He is all true. Man's still trying to figure it all out. And we'll be trying to figure things out until we one day they bury us in that grave or the Lord comes after us. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to make this simple for your life, to know joy this year, to live a life that counts. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says. That's what he says next there in verse 7. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done. Now, wow. Ask what you will, and it shall be done. Steve, does that mean if I maybe pray for a Bentley that I might find one in my front yard tomorrow? <laughs> Ask what you will and it shall be done. Yeah, but that comes after the part, if you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you, guess what? A Bentley out in the front garden is not what I'm going to be praying for. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to realize just how worthless that old thing is. I mean, if you want to give me one, I'll be glad to drive it, but it's still worthless in the sight of God. <laughs> what a promise. If we're abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in us, we come back to that prayer that we're looking at this morning. Folks, we make the Christian life impossible a lot of times. We come up with all of our ideas. Do you realize how simple he makes it? If you are in Christ, praise God, I could almost have a, a Pentecostal run, I think. If you are in Christ and if his word is in you, you can ask what you will, and he will do it. What a phenomenal promise. The Christian life is really a simple life. It's a relationship, a real relationship. It's not knowing about Jesus, it's knowing Jesus. It's not about being in church, it's being the church. We find Jesus says, I'm telling you this so that my joy can remain in you, so that your joy can be full. I'm telling you this. 
if you will abide in me, if you'll spend time in my word instead of everything that man wants you to do, listen to what I've got for you. If you'll spend time on your knees praying and asking me, why, if you're abiding in me and my word is in you, whatever you pray for, I'm going to do it because you're so near to the Lord. You wouldn't even think of praying something fleshly, selfishly. What's he say? <laughs> that you might consume it upon your own lust. <laughs> There's a lot of people that pray foolish prayers, but this is a way. Your life can count if it's Christ-centered, if it's Bible-anchored, if it's prayer-supported. And then he gets into this idea of bearing fruit, a productive life, producing something. He says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. What's man's chiefest aim? What is most Christians? They may disagree on a lot of different doctrines, but most all of them would agree on the fact that man's chiefest aim is to glorify God. That's the chiefest aim of our life. It's more important that we glorify Him with whatever we do, wherever we are. Whether it's out there on the job, do it as unto the Lord. Even if you got the worst boss in the world, even if you got the grumliest neighbor that could ever exist, do what you do, not as if you're doing it, as if you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my, my disciples, my followers, my students. <laughs> if you're bearing much fruit, that's how my Father's going to be glorified. You see, we get this all wrong. We think that we've got to do it. We've got to make our Christian life more successful. We've got to do this. We've got to do this to build our church, and we've got to do this to get people. All we need to do is abide in Christ and his word abide in us and get on our knees and trust him to answer those prayers and ask what we, what we will because we're wanting what he wills. We can ask what we will because it's what he wills. We can glorify God with productive lives because that's what Christ is going to do through us. It comes natural. We need to be concerned about the relationship. He says, hey, you're disconnected from the vine you're just a bunch of dead branches they are going to come along and pick up and throw in the fire. It's just, it's just worthless. It's worthless. What good is a dead branch ever going to do? <laughs> I mean this, I guess, nicely. <laughs> There's an awful lot of dead branch Christians in this world. <laughs> There's an awful lot of useless Christians in this world. And I don't mean that nastily. They might have the best intention of the world, but they're maybe even trying too hard themselves. They're trying to do what Christ wants to do through them. He wants your life to glorify God. That's how you'll be fulfilled. The way to be fulfilled is that much fruit is born. Now, your fruit may not be the same as the person beside of you. It may not be the same as the other person. God doesn't call me to... Preach like any other preacher in the world, God forbid. 
God doesn't even call me to preach so that you'll enjoy it. Smile about it. God calls me to preach what he wants me to preach. That's a challenge. I have to get my flesh out of the way just like you do, time and time and time again. You think sometimes the sermons are hard to listen to once? <laughs> you ought to listen to them as many times as it takes me when I'm trying to prepare them, amen. The truth is, God's, God has given us his truth so that we can understand it. He's left his Holy Spirit here to help us understand what he wants for our lives. We go around trying to recreate the wheel all the time, trying to do our thing. You want your life to count? You want a fulfilled life, a joyful life? It needs to be a Christ-centered life, abiding in him. It needs to be a Bible-anchored life with his words abiding in you. It needs to be a prayer-supported life, praying what you will in his will. It needs to be a fruit-bearing life, natural fruit that's coming because of your relationship with Christ, not because of your list of do's and don'ts that's going to please everybody else. We're talking about the fruit that comes because of your relationship. And I want to give you this final thing that I believe he's talking about here because this is what he says in the next verses. Notice he said in verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And then what does he say? As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. A lot of times, we get things reversed. We think that it's us following all the rules that will give us a relationship with him. What he's saying is, if you have a relationship with me, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. <laughs> when I was reading that, and I've read it so many times, but I, I was thinking back and saying, yeah, I can kind of relate to that because I know what it was like to be a rebellious teenager. <laughs> you see, when I really, really loved and wanted and was conscious of making my parents happy, I listened to them. Sometimes I'd get a bee in my bonnet or whatever you want to call it, and I'd just be rebellious. They'd say, do one thing, and I just want to do the other just to show that I could do it. We do as he says because we love him. We don't follow a bunch of rules to be a Christian. But there's too many that wants to take God's word out of it. God's commandments. Jesus said, listen, listen. He says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. You know, it's totally impossible for Jesus Christ to disobey the Father. And do you know why? It wasn't because of the punishment that he was going to get if he didn't. <laughs> It wasn't because of what he would face otherwise. 
it was because of love. That's what he's saying there. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, if you're abiding in his love, it is the natural desire. It's not a hardship to do what he wants, to be obedient to his. He tells us this in other places in different ways. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. We don't keep his commandments to prove we love him. We keep his commandments because we love him. We want to. We desire to. It's what we want to do. You see, I know there's an awful lot, and excuse me if it ruffles a feather, (laughs) there's an awful lot of garbage out there today about man's ideas of love. There's stuff being written that's confused people all over the place because it's contrary to God's Word. I said this morning, you know, you probably would not be exaggerating to say that love is possibly the greatest power in this world. That's why that God sent His Son. That's why He planned an eternity past for your salvation. That's why it all happened is because He loved you so much. We find that love does conquer. Sometimes we say love conquers all. And I guess the right kind of love maybe could conquer just about anything. Continue ye in my love. If ye shall abide in my love. I'm going to close with just this simple thought this evening. There's not a person here that I would desire that you live out this year or any part of this year miserable, not knowing the joy. You know, the Bible speaks about a a joy that is unspeakable. You ever been so happy that you just were speechless? Hmm. You ever been so happy that you just didn't know how to describe it? You didn't know how to express it? Jesus said he's told us these things so that his joy can remain in us, and that's a perfect joy, that our joy might be full. Is your life Christ-centered? Are you abiding in Christ? Do you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? Are you connected to the vine, Christian? Is your life centered in him, or have other things taken you away from him to where your focus is in the wrong place? Maybe you're trying too hard yourself and you need to be worried more about having the right relationship than you do about what you're doing. You need to be worrying about who you are, who he is, and what your relationship is like. Christ-centered, Bible-anchored. I don't want any of you to be dumb, but may all your knowledge and intellect may be anchored in the Word of God. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and I'll do it. Prayer supported. Don't try to go it alone. Stay on your knees. Keep his word coming out. Let your heart be going out to him. 
Sometimes you don't even know what to pray. Well, that's why his spirit will help you at that time. He'll pray for you even when you don't know the words to speak. Christ-centered. Bible-anchored. Prayer-supported. Then, of course, fruit-bearing. Let your life produce what Christ wants to produce. Let your relationship with him be so real, so tangible, that God can do with you what he wishes, that Christ can do through you, not with any resistance, but to accomplish what he wants. And let your life be motivated by love. Love motivated. That's what motivated God, for God so loved that he gave. Let your love motivate you. Your love for him. And I promise you, these simple things, you know, this is not something that you have to go to four years of Bible college to be able to figure out. Jesus gave them to us so simple. He says, I'm telling you this so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You want your life to count for something genuinely? Let it count for him. Let him do with you what he wants to do, regardless of what man thinks. Father, I thank you this evening so much, Lord, that we can look at these simple truths in your word. And we know, Lord, as we stated New Year's Eve, as we stated this morning, we know that as we look forward into another year, that there are many things that lie before us, bar your coming for us. Father, I pray. I pray that as we embark upon this journey through another year, I pray that you'll help us to apply these simple truths to our life. Help us, please, that we might abide in you. Your words might abide in us. That we'll bathe everything that we do in prayer, asking you, bringing it to you, seeking your guidance, your leadership. Lord, that our lives might bear fruit that is natural because of the Christ that controls and prevails in our lives, not because of what we can do, but because of what Christ can do through us. Allow our lives to be motivated by love, by true love, by agape love, that sacrificial giving. God, love, help that, Lord, to motivate us, our love for you, and in turn, because of your love for humanity, our love for those around us. Lord, that's what you told us. We looked at that this morning. We looked again this evening. Lord, help us to love one another as you loved us. Do with us as you will. Father, I pray earnestly right now that if there be one under the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, please allow your spirit to pluck at their heart's strings right now showing them their need. I don't care what religion they've done. I don't care what they've done through the churches. I just pray that, Lord, that if they know that that relationship is not what it needs to be that this evening, while they still have opportunity, they'll call upon the Lord. They'll seek that relationship that can only be found in Him. And help us all, Lord. Help us to quit focusing upon what people expect of us and what man wants of us. Help us to focus upon what you want from us. Help us to focus on our relationship with you, 
May you bring from that relationship through us what you will for your glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.